Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Big day for the Raiders on the way. It's Cofield, it's Candy, it's Ari, who's back in our Finley Toyota studios. Raiders have three picks, uh, three picks today. I think they need to go all three defense, uh, certainly two of three on defense. We'll see what they do. They went offense on day one with Alex Leatherwood at number 17. Some of the offensive players that could be titillating. Come on, Gruden. Come on, John. Show some discipline. Show some discipline. Defense, 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 defense. But the offensive stars going into the second round who are available, Adam Candy are Davis Mills, a quarterback, Kellen Mond, a quarterback, Kyle Trask, quarterback. We just mentioned Devontae Williams, a running back. Wide receiver, Elijah Moore, LSU receiver, Terrence Marshall, Rondell Moore, who uh, could be a poor man's waddle or could be a rich man's waddle. Uh, Fire Muth, the tight end. Uh, you've got a couple of offensive linemen that could have been under consideration by the Raiders and Tevin Jenkins and Liam Eichenberg. Let's get to the frenzy. So with all the guys drafted yesterday, we're going to find out uh, some tremendous stories, right? some tremendous backgrounds. We also get to hear them for the first time. We'll hear from Alex Leatherwood in the 5 o'clock hour. I thought he sounded like a pretty impressive dude. He's a team player and a competitive guy. Uh, after yesterday's first round, uh, you said Zayvon Collins can play for me any day. Wow, that's an endorsement. Why? This guy was nuts on the phone. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Steve Kime, the Arizona Cardinals general manager, got him on the phone, and he said, we are going to go effing kill it. Kill it. Your boss calls you for the first job you have out of college, says, congratulations, you're hired, and you say, boss, we're going to go effing kill it. We're going to kill everyone. I want that attitude coming into the building. Let's do this. Let's absolutely go kill everyone. That's a great football attitude. I'm not really sure it works at uh, you know at Morgan Stanley, but in a football program, absolutely. I want that to be the attitude on Cofield and company. I like that. Let's go kill everyone today for the next two hours. Uh, what did you think? You know, it's funny. Yesterday, everyone was uh, getting on the Panthers about Sam Darnold and that fifth-year option. They made the decision today. He is going to be a Panther for a couple of years here. Do you like it or not like it? They had to make the choice, and if you're going to make the investment in Sam Darnold, you can't just say, all right, well, you get one chance to show it to us. So they invest in him at $18 million at the cost of that 50-year option. And if you're the Carolina Panthers, if you're David Tepper, the owner, this is why you brought in Rule and Brady. You said, I am turning the reins over to you because you two are the supposed offensive geniuses. And I don't use that as a derisive term. Joe Brady is one of the most coveted offensive minds uh, in football, and Matt Rule certainly had the success at Baylor to back it up. But if you're the owner, you've basically said, I trust you to do this. And so if you're going to bring in Sam Darnold and you're going to say he's our guy, we think that the Jets never surrounded him with the right talent. We think they screwed up and gave him to us for a sixth round pick. Then, yeah, you've got to go ahead and pick up that option and keep Sam Darnold in your program long enough to find out if he's the guy. Did you like what Rule did? Uh, by not going offense with that high, high pick? 
you know, what I don't understand is, did you pick the right guy at corner? And I said that earlier. Do right. I mind the fact that they went and got a corner? No, I really don't. Because falling into the the trap of we have to draft one side of the ball is a bad thing. That being said, if you look at guys who are on the board at that point, would Devontae Smith have been a good fit alongside Sam Darnold? Right? Would Rashawn Slater have been the left tackle for your future? Uh, it, a lot of those things look to me to say, if you're going to build on the offensive side of the ball, that that's what you do. But you know what? These guys went and have proven over the last draft plus this pick, they've went and they have proved that they're not like Gruden. They are not like John Gruden. They spent all of their picks last year on defense. They spent their first pick this year on defense. And these are offensive guys. And they said, okay, we have a defense that needs help, and they went and drafted for defense, and they, being in year two, still have enough uh, cachet that we have to say, all right, guys, give it a look. Rondell Moore at 39 for the Panthers. That'd be nice. No argument. I think Rondell Moore uh, has the athletic ability. He's a little bit undersized. Um, but that being said, the, the production's been there for him uh, at Purdue. So, you know, I wouldn't have any problem with that. Weird write-up uh, on something called the Pro Football Network. Question mark. Leatherwood, the final straw in Las Vegas. What does that mean? This is what I couldn't figure out. I sent this write-up to you, and uh, Vinny over on Raider Nation Radio said earlier that he looked into it, and it's, quote, total BS, according to the people that he talked to. But this report suggested that the drafting of Leatherwood was going to show that there was a big divide in the Raiders' big building, and that Heads were going to roll. Whose head? John Gruden is both the guy who makes the personnel decisions and the head coach and the overlord of all things Raiders. So unless you're telling me that Mike Mayock grabbed the phone from him and and put the pick into Roger Goodell and Roger Goodell said the name of Alex Leatherwood before John Gruden could stop him, then I don't know exactly whose head is going to roll and who the bloodbath would start with because it seems to me like Mayock serves at the pleasure of Gruden. I loved earlier, by the way, when Mike Mayock was talking about trading up and said, well, if I see something I want to do, then I'll do it. Oh, 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 slow down, Michael. You will do nothing without talking to John first. Yeah, that's a bad piece of analysis. Unless this person genuinely has someone well-connected in the organization, I do not believe for one second that uh, John Gruden is, any, is, in, is in any jeopardy because of this draft. Now, if the Raiders were three and thirteen this year, check that four and thirteen this year. I'll give an extra win with this seventeen-game schedule. Uh, then maybe there's at least some discussions about this. But John Gruden's here for at least another couple of years. It's going to have to be a freaking disaster, a disaster, Candy, for Mark Davis to say I'm pulling the plug on my guy, John Gruden. Adam Hill just said to us that Mark Davis will never fire John Gruden. That's Adam's opinion. He says John Gruden is the coach for life. And the way Mark Davis has gushed about Gruden, it's hard to argue otherwise. If they go 4-13 and 13 this year, then they have significantly underperformed. You know, yeah. we can say what we want about what the draft picks are, but the talent on this roster is not a four-win team. They should be better than that. But even a bad year this year, I think, is the only thing that just gets uh, Mark Davis to say about John Gruden 
hey, yeah, you know what? We expect better than, uh, I mean, God, 19 and 29 plus 4 and 13 would make them 22 and 42 over his first four years. And that is a failure by anyone's measure. But it's not going to be that. By the way, as far as there being discord in the organization over the selection of Alex Leatherwood, here's Mayock last night. It sounds like everyone was uh, in very much the uh, kumbaya-ish mode. Tom Cable, our offensive line coach, I, in all honesty, you'd have to ask Tom, but uh, this might have been Tom's favorite player in this entire class. I mean, Coach Cable has been all over him for months now since the first time he saw the tape. Coach Gruden loved this guy. Our scouts love this guy. And what I like is when the second floor in our building, which is all the coaches, and the third floor, which is all the scouts, when we're united on a conversation like Leatherwood, that makes me feel really good about the pick. Stanford Route is on the way. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. With the 17th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Alex Leatherwood. Tackle. Alabama. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Damn, Ari, come back with some upbeat music. What is going on? It's like, well, like one of the greatest days of the kid's life. We're uh, less than a day removed, and uh, we get the, the mopey music. Stanford Rat, when you came into the NFL, weren't you happy? Of course I was happy. Are you kidding me? I went from not having anything going for myself, not having any money in my pocket. Now, obviously, I'm able to change the lives of everybody around me, my family, myself, the lineage, things like that. Of course, I was happy. Come on now, dude. Yeah, I, well, I know you were. Well, the thing is, when we watch the draft coverage, and especially when it gets localized, uh, like we have here in Vegas, where the Raiders, you know, it appears, hey, everyone was not super high on Leatherwood. They were in the building. Like, the story becomes, oh, this, he's, you know, they, they reach this, that, like, Let's cover the kid a little bit and the monumental moment that this guy just got generational money, his family set up. This is the dream realized. Absolutely. I think that that's something that we all have to do. we got to take a step back and we have to stop analyzing everything ad nauseum and look at how it is a culmination of a lot of things coming together. Like, I don't know how you guys are with movies, but I remember like the 18th. Like, uh, what did he always say? The, uh, the movie, the 18. I love it when a plan comes together. And for so many of these kids coming from the background that they've had to come from throughout their life. And then all of a sudden a plan that started at age six or seven, finally coming all the way together. They hear their name call. They go up there. They shake Roger Goodell's hand. They give him a big bear hug. I think it's a joyous occasion. So damn it. Somebody, uh, reach and they drafted somebody at number 17 who may not have been rated at a, uh, to go until uh, number 33 or 34. Who the heck cares? Because there's plenty of guys who were drafted right where they were slated to go, and they're going to turn out not to be worth a damn in the NFL. It's one big crapshoot. You guys are in Las Vegas. You know gambling is not anything that's guaranteed. It's a freaking crapshoot. So just go ahead, everybody take a step back, take a breath, and just let these kids go ahead and play, and then we can go ahead and judge them and analyze them, not where they were slated to go, 
where in versus where they actually got drafted and who cares? There is a draft game to be played though, right? Uh, the, the, around the league, you generally have, I would think within war rooms and you don't know what other people are going to do exactly, but around the league, there's a general spot of players expected to go at Belichick for years enjoyed, you know, going and trading back, taking advantage of getting more draft capital. I think that is a story here. If Leatherwood could have been available 10, 15 picks later, and the Raiders could have added a third or fourth round pick Stanford, that is a story. Absolutely. I get that. But let me ask you this. What if the Raiders didn't have anybody willing to trade with them 10 or 15 spots later? See, the thing that everybody has to realize about the NFL draft is that, yes, maybe where I'm picking the player that I want is probably a few spots higher than where I'm picking it as far as like, as far as he, I'm sorry, he's, he's slated as far as his value a few slots lower. And let's say he slotted somewhere around 26, 27. But you know what? I'm not picking again until pick like number 50. Well, when I come to 50, he may not be there. So I got to go ahead and grab him right now, even though if it's a little bit higher of a price than Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay or, you know, insert NFL draft expert here. If it's a little bit higher than where they said he should go, uh, I'm sorry. I'm the GM of a franchise. I'm not over there always giving my draft picks, working on uh, becoming an NFL draft expert, uh, self-proclaimed, like all these other guys are. My job is to go ahead and make sure that I get the right pick for this team, and hopefully he turns out. But if I go and I base everything off of what the experts say, then I'm probably going to be at home eventually watching it with the rest of America simply because I'm going to be out of a job. Stanford, I will step up in defense of some of the experts. Many of them do have experience in the NFL as scouts. Daniel Jeremiah has experience. Pro Football Focus is one of the really relied upon sources. They've got deals with multiple teams around the NFL. They're owned by Chris Collinsworth. So, like, I don't want to put out the suggestion here. You're right. The boards and inside the NFL uh, rooms can be different than the guys who were in the media. But every media guy is not just some jabroni who is just, you know, guessing and then cannibalizing each other when they do their mock drafts. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, Steve. But what I am saying is that so many of these guys, they have not been in an NFL uh, meeting room. They have not been in an NFL front office where they actually are just going off of, okay, I'm watching this guy. I'm watching all this college game take things like that. But they don't exactly know the ins and outs. So I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick, quick example. I remember, I love pro football folks, and I'm a big fan of Chris Collinsworth. I remember there were times, even back in my days of playing, where I would get docked for a completion by pro football focus simply because they didn't know what coverage we were in. <laughs> they didn't know what the call was in the huddle. They're still speculating, and they're still basically giving it an educated, yes, it's pretty educated, but they're still giving it an educated guess. They don't know what these kids are out here running, what's being called in the huddle. They don't know that. So it's still, at the end of the day, a version of just guessing. That's what it is. It's educated. I'm not going to sit up here and say that they're stupid or anything like that because, believe me, I go to pro football folks when I want to learn about who the better players in, in certain positions are in the NFL. But I also know that it is not an exact science the way that they do their math. I know that they are not experts, and they are not perfect by any stretch. So I use that as a little bit of an instrument, but I by no means will go and look at a Mel Kuyper or pro football focus or insert – 
draft expert publication here and treat them like they're the Bible. No, I will not. I will trust what my eyes have told me, and I will trust what I have been taught by several Hall of Fame players, several Hall of Fame uh, front office people, those types of people. I'm going to trust what they've taught me, and I'll treat their words as the Bible versus some website or some self-proclaimed guru when it comes to the NFL draft process. Stanford, when you were a player, once you were in the pros, did you follow the draft for your teams closely? Were you ever watching it on TV, and were you ever kind of looking at the picks and saying, ah, I think that's a good pick, or oh, I don't know, or, or, or did that not matter to you at all? I would pretty much watch it sparingly. I'm not going to say that I didn't watch anything, especially the first, second round, the early picks. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and watch it, not only as an Oakland Raider, but also just as a fan. I watched the draft last night, and I don't have a dog in the fight of any stretch but simply that I'm a fan. Oh, my God, the NFL draft's on tonight. I'm going to go ahead and watch it, just like I'm going to do for the second round of night as well. So it wasn't anything that I put a lot of stock into, but I definitely was aware of who we drafted tonight in the first round or the second round, third round, things like that. But I did not put a whole lot of stock into it because just like I've told you guys already, you do understand there were 32 guys that had their name called last night. There's going to be about 14 of those guys that underwhelm for the team that they go to. There's going to be about eight of those guys who they underwhelm so much where they don't even get their fifth-year option picked up. So that's why I'm not going to put that much stuff because I don't care who it is that's doing the drafting, the speculating, the analyzing, all of that. They still do not have a crystal ball and can say definitively, unequivocally, I know this guy's going to be a star. They can strongly feel like it's going to happen, and they can go ahead and suggest. But nobody knows exactly how any of these kids' future is going to fare uh, at the next level. Stanford, I'm going to flip the script on you right here, and I'm going to turn you into the expert. Now you're the draft expert. You're on the spot. When you looked at the Raiders and saw that they decided to go offense in the first round, do you just assume that they're going defense here later in the draft, or do you think that uh, you know that maybe they feel like their defense is where it needs to be after free agency? Oh, heck no, dude. They feel like their defense is where it needs to be after free agency. Heck no. <laughs> now, as far as, the, as far as the pick last night, guys, what happened? They trade away Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, and they trade away Trent Brown. They gave Colt Miller a huge contract. Some would say that they overpaid a little bit. Mike Mayock and John Gruden are assuming that he's going to keep continue progressing and he's going to grow into that large salary that he just got that he just received uh, just recently by the Las Vegas Raiders. You still have to find another bookend tackle. You have to still go ahead and rejuvenate that offensive line. So that wasn't something that was a major surprise to me that they went with Leatherwood at tackle uh, at the 17th pick. Now, coming into this offseason, I felt like the Raiders needed to address the offensive line, a little bit in the trenches on the defensive line, maybe another run stuff or something like that, but also linebacker and especially secondary, especially. Now, after the J.C. Horn, after you see the uh, the certains of the world, the nuisance, people like that, it kind of gets a little thin at the cornerback position. So I could see why they did not go corner or secondary at pick number 17. Now, I'm assuming – they're going to address those needs further along in this draft. I would be very surprised if we look up and we do not see at least two picks on the defense side of the ball for the Las Vegas Raiders. 
Stanford Route is with us. What levels? What level of the D? I know you you know you just mentioned about the defensive backfield. I assume they're getting a safety. Are you more interested in a linebacker or defensive lineman? I'm more interested probably in a linebacker. We have in Gakway, we have Max Crosby, still got Cleveland Farrell, still got guys like that who they're going to be coming more into their own. I especially like in Gakway with the Max Crosby, the bookend, rushing guys to go ahead and gen- generate more pressure. The Las Vegas Raiders are last in the NFL when it comes to sacks generated, I believe, since 2018. I believe it's only 66 team sacks since then. So definitely got to get after the quarterback more. But with now having a Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator, what is one thing that made the Legion of Boom and also just the Seattle Seahawks defense go back in that time period, back in that era? Bobby Wagner. You got to have yourself a nice Mike linebacker who's good at stuff in the run, who also understands past concepts and can also go ahead and be effective there. So I would be more I would be more inclined to believe that the Las Vegas Raiders are going to probably look more at linebacker than they will D-line. But in especially, you've got to go ahead and attack that secondary. You have to go ahead and, re- and, and inject some more youth, inject some more athleticism into that back end. I'll go ahead and let them choose whether they want it to be corner or safety or hell, even do both. But you have to go ahead and you have to get some more infusion in that back end because too many games were lost last season because the back end did not do their job, albeit the entire defense, whether it was going into the half and especially late in games like you saw Miami Dolphins Saturday Night Football right after Christmas. He's a former Oakland Raider. He's Stanford Rowdy. He's on with us every week right here on Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Let's talk about some of the bigger stories from the draft yesterday. Uh, How do you feel about uh, Justin Fields slipping to 12? And, uh, hey, the Bears are aggressive. They went up and they got the guy. They need a guy. Uh, Andy Dalton ain't the guy. I love the story. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Bears had to do that. Mitch Trubisky, they traded up to go get him a couple years ago at number two overall. That was clearly a blunder, a blunder by Ryan Pace, and he's been trying to get out from up under that ever since. So I was well, I, I was, I was well expecting that the Chicago Bears were going to go ahead and try to pull off the move to go and get a quarterback. Obviously, now they got just Justin Fields into the fold. He's somebody that I'm not sure you can plug in and play right now, simply because. And I know that I'm casting a huge dispersion. But I gotta go ahead and just be objective. I have a hard time trusting Ohio State quarterbacks simply because you're playing in the Big Ten, where you're essentially an SEC team playing in the Big Ten. You got a lot of team speed, you got a lot of talent, and you're simply going against teams every Saturday that all you have to do is tie your shoes correctly, and you're gonna go out there and beat them just off of talent alone. Not execution, not precision, not things like that. You're just a better team. So when it comes to a Justin Fields, I saw he struggled in that in, uh, in the Big Ten title game against Northwestern. They got a pretty good defense. That's why you saw a couple of their guys going the first round uh, last night. So I think that with a Matt Nagy, I think he's going to be able to go ahead and implement a very upbeat scheme to go ahead and try to accentuate all of Justin Fields' talents. And I think that he's going to turn out to be a very good draft pick, a very good player for them down the road. But I think if they're expecting him, and I mean the Chicago Bears faithful, the fan base, if they're expecting him to go ahead and start week one and set the world on fire, I think they're going to be a little bit disappointed. But once you start looking towards the end of the first season, I'm sorry, his rookie year, and then on to 2022, I look for big things out of Justin Fields. What if Patriots fans are expecting plug-and-play week one Mac Jones? I think for Mac Jones, because he came from a system that was run by Steve Sarkeesian and a 
uh, and a Nick Saban who pretty much runs the Alabama Crimson Tide like an NFL team. That's why they appear to be head and shoulders above everybody else where it seems like they just always are able to out-scheme and just outplay everybody that they go against at a an extreme clip. You saw the way they ran through Ohio State in the national championship game. I feel like a uh, uh, like a Mac Jones will be able to hug and play a little bit sooner than a Justin Fields if New England can go ahead and keep him upright and they can go ahead and protect him. If they're not able to do that, then you're going to see Mac Jones struggle because we all know he's a statue. So I would go ahead and still go with Cam Newton to go ahead and start off training camp, start off the first part of the season. And if Cam Newton starts to falter, I would be a little bit more confident in a Mac Jones stepping in right away than I would have Justin Fields simply because of the type of complex offense that Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the head coach of the University of Texas Longhorns, just because of the complexity of the offensive game plan that he implemented and Mac Jones appearing to be able to have a pretty fast processor that he displayed the one year that he started in college football for the Crimson Tide and broke all those records. Stanford, that was awesome. Good stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you guys. Uh, you guys be good. And uh, hey, uh, go Raiders. And, I, hey, Steve, I know you're a Jets fan. I know you are, but we're, uh, we're out there in Vegas, so I got to go ahead and give shout-out to my Raider fans. That's okay. I, I, I totally understand. I totally understand. I want the Raiders to do well. As well, so it makes our job a lot more fun. See you, Stanford. All right, you got to be good. Uh, first pick off the board in the second, Tyson Campbell, cornerback to the Jaguars. Jets took wide receiver Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. Broncos just took Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina. And the Miami Dolphins are on the way. And the uh, the Isley brothers, they're, walk, they're walking out, presenting the pick. Miami's pick on the way back. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios. With the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Rest of the way, up until 6 o'clock, we'll be updating you on what's happening in the second and third round of the NFL Draft. We are through pick number 36. Raiders are up at pick number 48. You hear Goodell announcing, shocker? I didn't think it was a shocker. Trey Lance at three, but from a betting standpoint, there was money to be made. Adam Candy, did you make money on Trey Lance? Because I know, uh, I think all of us on the show took a gamble a while ago on Justin Fields thinking, Hey, there's some value here. And, uh, I don't even, did you have any Mac Jones bets at all? Oh, absolutely not. The only Mac Jones bet I had, I won and I bet his draft position at over nine. So I, I thought he was sliding and you made a case yesterday that scared the lights out of me when you said someone might trade up to eight or nine, uh, to potentially draft him. But that obviously did not happen. He goes at 15. I had no Mac Jones bets other than that. My bets were I had a group prop that was which of this which of these QBs will go first, and it was Jones, Fields, and Lance. And I took both Lance at three to one, and at the point that I took it, it was Fields at twenty one to one. So 
why not, right? Take a shot at that one uh, based on the value alone. But yeah, uh, Trey Lance at that three to one helped me offset some of my Najee Harris losses. Yeah, we were doing the live react video last night, a live podcast that started around 645 and we carried it from the Chargers pick at 13 all the way through or damn near the end of the first round. And man, when Najee Harris came off the board, because you thought that was the only team that could job you on your over under best bet Najee Harris bet. Nightmare. Nightmare. I had multiple, multiple wagers on Najee Harris at 28 and a half and 29 and a half over on both because the Pittsburgh Steelers had not drafted a running back in the first round since 2008. It was Rashard Mendenhall the last time they went running back in the first round. There's continuity in that organization. I thought that meant they were smarter than to take a running back in the first round, but they apparently think that that's the answer to an aging Ben Roethlisberger and a group of wide receivers that can't get open. Wow. Uh, on Lance, man, the action late in the day got kind of crazy. Uh, reading the ESPN.com story, uh, yesterday around 2 o'clock, you're talking whatever, uh, six hours, because this is written Eastern time, six hours before the draft, that uh, DraftKings had taken a $75,000 bet on Trey Lance, and at that point, he was at even money. And he had moved down to get to even money, right? You talk about uh, three to one or so. A week ago, you could have had him three to one just about everywhere to go at that number three pick. And this is where the rest of the country is different than Vegas because oh, anyone who bets around here knows the fact that 24 hours before the draft, all of our markets come down. That is why the gaming regulators. Why? why? I don't know because there's no good reason for it. There is no good reason for it. The rest of the country not allows only, this. Not only should you be able to bet, well, maybe you'll tell me I'm wrong on this one. I feel like you should be able to bet pretty damn close to the draft, and then there should be, what, in-draft betting. Is in-draft betting just too dangerous? Or, or, or did anyone offer that at all? Or once it's once uh, you know, once yesterday starts, it's done until the second round? No, no, it's it, no. There are markets where you can do that. There are markets where you can bet as it goes along. There, there are not as many of them. But yes, you absolutely can bet all the way up to the draft in a number of other states as opposed to here where everything closes down 24 hours beforehand. So think about it. Think about if you had a big investment on one side and you wanted to try to get out of it, if you wanted to try to just hedge a little bit, whatever it is, you want to go to the other side of that wager, you're stuck. You're, you're absolutely screwed where other people have better options. It's the sort of thing that sends people offshore. Yep. We've got to change that next year, the uh, the cutoff 24 hours before. I mean, it's just, it ain't right. It ain't right. And I feel like we, you know, every every month I see stuff and I'm like, we are falling behind. We are falling behind and there's no reason for it. There is a feeling, I think, among a lot of people here. And I'm not talking about necessarily the, the sports book directors or any one person in particular, but there's a feeling here that we've always done it this way and we know better because we've always done it this way. And there are a lot of things that they're right about when it comes to regulating sports betting, to making sure that they catch things that could be integrity problems. But at some point, you have to look at the fact that three-fifths of the country, three-fifths of UF states now have legal sports betting. Yeah. Someone else might be doing something that's worth adopting. You can look at new ideas and say, hey, maybe you know what? Maybe we can come along with this for the sake of modernizing our market a little bit. Just because we didn't originate it doesn't mean it doesn't work. 
Landon Dickerson, a mammoth center. Man, I'd, I'd have to bet that in NFL history, centers have there has there been a center who's gone six five and three eighths and three hundred and forty four pounds. That is that is nuts. He just went to the Eagles earlier. Some offensive players come off the board. Uh, first, your opinion of Elijah Moore? They signed Corey Davis. The Jets did, and he's a monster. Elijah Moore is a smaller guy at 5'9", 185, and uh, Kuyper, I know, loved him. He had him as a top 20 big board draft guy. What do you think of Elijah Moore to the Jets? Considering where they got Elijah Moore, I like it because they made their big move back up to get an offensive lineman. So now look at what they've done with the first three picks. You talked about it last night on the podcast. This team decided to reset. They decided to reset the clock, especially on the cost of their quarterback. We just talked earlier in the show about Sam Darnold getting $18 million on the fifth-year option. So they go Zach Wilson at quarterback. They go with Elijah Vera Tucker at offensive line to pair with Becton. And then they go with Elijah Moore to pair with Corey Davis. Whether you agree with the picks or not, you see where the philosophy is. And I think the Jets have done very well so far. Hey, Javante Williams went uh, right after. Elijah Moore to the Denver Broncos. Uh, there's been more more picks now. You know, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know why it's funny. Um, I actually, I thought yesterday that Belichick would just be Belichick and go defense and still, you know, just pass on the quarterback. But I think he realized, you know, come on. I, I have like three or four years left. I got to get someone young to try to make a run out here. He didn't have to trade up for Mac Jones. Long story short, I actually thought the guy he may go for in the first round was Christian Barmore from Alabama, and Barmore just went to the Patriots instead at number 40. Perfect, right? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And you and I talked about this just a few minutes ago, right? We talked about Barmore's draft position, and I think he snuck right under the number, right? Wasn't it 40 and a half? No, you know what? I have the number wrong. It's actually the it's the 38th pick. For some reason, I, I could swear they had 40 up on up on the board. Ah, Bears gotcha. are 39, and Falcons are 40. My bad. He's th- he was the 38th pick, so still... Well, still- Still around the number. Right, still around the number. And look at what's happened here over the last couple of picks. We talked about the fact that Mike Mayock, uh, the Raiders GM, said if there was an opportunity, if the right player was there, he would trade back up. Well, the Bears have now traded back up, right? We've seen the Denver uh, Broncos trade up to get Javante Williams. Not sure I love trading up to get a running back at that spot. We've seen the Patriots choose to trade up, so... Teams are making their moves right now. Apparently, the Raiders like where they are in terms of the draft board. Chicago's up next. Atlanta is the 40th pick. And then uh, you all know the Raiders are going to make their pick here in the next uh, 15 or 20 minutes as they have pick number 48. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's Eye on Sports Betting. Second round's getting interesting now. As Richie Grant, a safety out of Central Florida, goes to the Falcons. We know the Raiders could use a safety. We'll see if uh, Trevon Morig lasts until number 48. Up next, the Lions and the Dolphins, then the Niners. All right, well, we've got a cool wagering event going on this weekend where you got some results in, and Dick Girardi's covered this event forever. we got another Kentucky Derby. Dick Girardi's up with us here. Philly Scribe with Cofield and Candy in Vegas. How are you, sir? What's happening, guys? Uh, we're fired up about the NFL draft. I got some draft questions for you in a little bit uh, with uh, 
the Eagles in mind, but let's talk about what's gone down so far uh, with the Kentucky Oaks. What happened today? Favorite one, uh, Todd Fletcher won his fourth, Philly called Malathot, undefeated. Beat a Chad Brown trained Philly who was also undefeated. Great stretch tool, Johnny Velasquez against Irad Ortiz. Good race, good good horses, and uh, weekend's off to a good start. Do we have any clue going into this weekend, uh, you know, what the crowds are going to be like and maybe more importantly what the wagering is going to be like in terms of handle? Is the, the Derby going to be back in an upswing? We do know about the crowd. Um, after you know, friends and family last year, only uh, 45000 is the limit for tomorrow. They typically would get 170000 for the Derby, so a little less than a third of the normal crowd. So it'll be like an event with 45000 but not quite as big as normal. And as far as the wagering, look, as you guys know, almost all the money in horse racing has been bet away from the racetracks for years now. Uh, people with, you can bet on their phones, bet on, bet on their laptops, bet an off track betting site, bet in Vegas, bet wherever. So, uh, that's not going to change any. Um, so I think the handle will be good. It'll certainly be better than it was in September when they were trying to run the Derby on a Labor Day weekend last week with last year, which is obviously just not the right time. Right. Wasn't there an issue in the last couple of months in terms of wagering and the availability of wagering? I thought there were some negotiations that were uh, getting a little rough. There was an issue in Nevada. Frankly, with Churchill Downs and the Derby, I do not know how it ended. Uh, It wasn't affecting me personally. I was able to get my bets in. So I didn't really think about it. But, yeah, I know there was something – Churchill Downs has a tendency to hold up anybody that can hold up for as big a percentage of the action as they can get – and right. it sounded to me like the Nevada race books didn't really want to hear it. Uh, but I don't know how or if that was resolved. Yeah, they worked it out. They worked it out. So uh, all of okay. our books that still put a premium on horse racing, the uh, their books are open. And I know William Hill here uh, is ready to go. So we're good to go. All right. So give us some of the top narratives, some of the top storylines here, uh, getting ready for the Kentucky Derby with uh, Dick Girardi. So the favorite is going to be essential quality. Uh, Brad Cox trains. Brad Cox won the Eclipse Award last year as the top uh, trainer in the country. The horse is five for five unbeaten. What's a little strange about this is it's now a 19-horse field. We lost uh, King Fury, the horse that was named after Tyson Fury, is scratched. So we're down to 19. Essential quality is four to five in the early betting. That's unheard of in a 19-horse field. But what's happened is, Mattress Mac, Jim McInvale, the guy that makes the big bets on the World Series, made a huge bet on Tampa Bay. As a, he's the furniture guy in Houston. Basically, as a promotion for it, he's giving away free mattresses if if the horse he bets on wins. Is betting somewhere between two and four million to win on essential quality. And judging by the early pool, he's already got some portion of that bet into the pools. Do you like or hate that? Does that does that add to the event, or does it kind of smear the event? I'm, I'm fine with it, uh, especially since I don't like essential quality. So yeah. it's it's uh, it's putting the prices of the horses I like are going up. I don't know if it's going to change the prices. It's probably not in exactas or doubles or superfectus or anything like that. It's just going to skew the win pool. But if you like some other horse to win, and, and you're getting a way better price than you should because because of this three. Somewhere between again two and four million to win. How much he bets depends on how many uh, mattresses he's sold at more than three thousand by post time. So let's talk about some of the other popular choices. So I, I actually like the nine uh, Hot Rod Charlie's the fourth choice. He, he's, he was listed eight to one on the line. He's nine to one at the moment after the early betting. 
Um, he he's like he he finished second to uh, essential quality in the Breeders' Cup last year, but ran a really good race. It, it only was beaten three quarters of a leg. That day he was ninety four to one. He's obviously not going to be anything like that tomorrow. This year he's, he he lost a race at Santa Anita by a neck, and then he won the Louisiana Derby. And I think of all the horses, and they all develop on their own time. To me, he looks like the horse. It's getting hot at the right moment. Uh, the trainer, Doug O'Neill, has won the Derby twice in the last decade. The jockey, Flavian Pratt, is the, easily the best on the West Coast. Um, the price, I think, is going to be right. And I watch all the workouts now that you get to see them all, the final works. I thought, uh, by far, uh, Hot Rod Charlie had the best final work. It was last Saturday at Santa Anita. I got to close on an uh, important question about the NFL draft. What did you think of what the Eagles did with this? And, uh, you know, of course, this all goes back to the end of the season where the uh, Giants fans and the pukes in New York, like uh, my partner here, Adam Candy, I'm a Jets fan. He's a Giants fan. But it all goes back to then about how the Eagles were playing for the draft. What do you think about how it turned out for him? Yeah, no, I don't blame Adam or any Giants fan for being upset with that last game. That was a fiasco. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, look, they ended up playing it pretty well. They had six. Dropped down to 12 uh, when they realized that it sounded like the Giants were probably going to get one of Devonta Smith. So they traded up two spots and got him. And, yeah, who isn't a fan of that kid? I mean, every time you saw him, he was making impossible catches. I don't even drop the ball all year. Uh, and that's what they needed. They had, they had, their wideouts were awful last year. So yep. good move. Uh, Jalen Hurts, we'll see. Who knows about him? That's a complete guessing game, whether he's good enough to be an NFL starter who helps you win or not. But, yeah, Smith is a the guy. They needed a guy like that. And it was good to get him because obviously he's terrific. Dick, we appreciate it. Let's get you on before the uh, the next big race in the Triple Crown, okay? Sounds good. Two weeks from tomorrow, guys. Preakness stakes. Look forward to it. There you go. Yep. Preakness is up uh, after the winner of the Derby tomorrow. There he is, Dick Girardi. So it looks like Candy. We've uh, we've got the Dolphins just taking Eichenberg, the uh, tackle from Notre Dame, but the Raiders have moved up. So Ari, right, we're going to stick with it here. We're going to go to the live coverage. Um, Raiders have traded with the Niners to get up to forty three. So. I haven't seen exactly what they've traded. Did you see any terms on what they traded? No, uh, I actually just noticed that the Dolphins traded with the Giants uh, to get into that spot. Dave Gettleman trades back eight spots and goes back to number 50. Uh, and speaking of the Giants, no slander to me about that end of the season game with the Eagles. I was all for the Eagles tanking. Oh, of course. Well, anyone with a brain. Uh, I, mean, I, I know Dick was just kind of <laughs> talking about the nonsense, but it worked out. It worked out, of course. A meaningless game at the end of the season. Why are we playing to win? Screw off the majority of Giants fans and the dopey Giants media. All right, so here we go. Uh, Adam Schefter, San Francisco trades the 43rd pick to Las Vegas for the 48th pick. The other situation is a swap. Uh, Raiders trade their fourth and get back San Francisco's seventh. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right. All right, well, they're in a break right now. Uh, let's stay with it here. Uh, we'll have to go a little longer, Ari, into the 5 o'clock hour if we need to. So last couple of picks, as, as we told you, um, going back to the 38th pick, the Patriots took Christian Barmore. The Bears were up next. They took a tackle. So, you know, if uh, if Raiders fans or, you know, folks who were like, hey, Leatherwood, that was a bad pick. You, know, you could have could have gotten a defensive player there, just waited on Tevin Jenkins. Well, he didn't get to 48 or where. The Raiders are now at 43. I don't know where the Raiders had Richie Grant on their board, but uh, he's the first safety to go off. 
in this NFL draft. He went to the Falcons at 40. Yeah. You have a, a monstrous defensive tackle who uh, played at Washington. I will not I, – I, I'm going to botch his name, so I won't even do it. Um, he is going to the Lions, and I mentioned another offensive tackle, Eichenberg. Liam Eichenberg just went 42nd. I heard some kind of groan. Yeah. What's going on? Uh-oh. Don't, no, don't, Steve. Don't, I, I, don't ruin the drama. I want, I want, I want the audience to hear the – I, I look, No, I, no I, I turned my tweet deck off uh, before this. I'm not going to look, but yeah. I have not looked at a thing. I promise you, but what I – if they're not going up for Trayvon Morig, I would be shocked in this spot. And I know I was shocked yesterday when they picked Leatherwood, but Trayvon Morig has now held on for probably 15 to 20 picks longer than anyone thought he was going to. And now that Richie Grant's gone, there's not another safety on this board who fills the need for the Las Vegas Raiders. And when we were talking about, you know, what would be a surprise pick, because we all thought there'd be a, a pick that the Raiders would select at 17 that was probably ranked, you know, 25 on down. It's just... It's what they do, and they draft for need, and a safety's not going to be as high as a, a top-20 guy. Morig was my guy. I am I would be shocked here if this pick is on offense. If it were, what could it be if it were on offense? I don't know because there's no wide receiver that I see left on the board that I would say you're going up to get that guy. They addressed offensive line in the first round. There's not another spot that this team needs to make any sort of adjustment to on the offensive side of the ball. Barmore is gone, so you know it's not for the defensive line. Could it be for, uh, God, I, Owosu? You know how to say the last part. You love, you love this name. Owosu I can't get it right. I don't know why. The Notre Dame linebacker, Owosu Yeah. I know. I said it a couple weeks ago. I was like, you know, we're just going to go with JOK. If he winds up with the Raiders, we're just going with JOK. Yeah, so it could be. So could it be JOK in this spot? Yeah, it's a big playmaker at, uh, at linebacker. That wouldn't be shocking, but I, I think Morig is probably the betting favorite here. Defense, 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 defense. They've got holes on defense. They need to fill them. Let's get the job done here. Raiders pick number 43 is up because they got aggressive. They got aggressive. They want to go whoever they think the guy is. They got aggressive, moved up from 48 to number 43. This is a very important pick for the Raiders. Draft. The Las Vegas Raiders select Trayvon Merrig, defensive back, TCU. All right. All right. There we go. We mispronounced his name 12 times. Uh, Trayvon Merrig does go to the Raiders. The Raiders get aggressive. They get what should be their starting free safety. We'll go to the 5 o'clock hour. By the way, I saw the pick four minutes ago. 